Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. Welcome to GradCast. Uh, my name is Susan, co-hosting today with... Alex. How are you doing, Susan? I'm doing great, Alex. I almost had a, like, forgot where we are today. We're, at, we're a part of the Society of Graduate Students. And uh, let's, yeah, that's what we are. We're the official poc- uh, radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western. And uh, I think that's really important that we let people know that we are your society's outlet this is a place for any of you guys out there doing your research to let us know what you're doing and for you guys out there to hear what western students are doing there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff going on here some really cool stuff here and we're going to hear really shortly about some really cool stuff that's going on uh in the department of biology but ooh, that's that's my that's my turf I know. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's my first time hosting with you in a really long time i, I don't remember when the last time was I think it was, yeah, before we had our weekly radio show back. Before, yeah. I don't know if we've... Have we done a radio show even together? I, I don't know if we have, but it's definitely the first time this year. So, happy new year on air. Oh, oh thank you very much. Even though it's the second month of the year. Yeah. But, you, know. you know, it's still fine. Yeah. <laughs> but this is cool because both of us have a science-y background. Uh, I'm biology. You're, I, I don't know, med stuff, right? Oh, neuroscience and animal physiology actually was my background. Nice, yeah. nice. So actually quite a lot in common there about there you that. Go. Well, maybe I should listen to your podcast sometime. But besides what we're doing, uh, let's hear a bit about what's happening in the world of plants with Emily Cornelius. So welcome to GradCast, Emily. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm a master's student in the Department of Biology at Western in Suzanne Kohalmi's lab. And basically what I study is how plants um, kind of regulate uh, different genetic mechanisms and how they kind of adapt to different environments in the wild. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. So um, a lot of people out there know about, you know, you know, our genes kind of are what controls what we, how we look and what we do. Um, you, do you study any like particular like pathways in that? Or what is a pathway? What's a genetic pathway? For, or a... Is that, is that a term even? <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, every kind of process that you have in your body, um, whether it's making energy or it's making um, your hair color or something like that, um, is a process. So basically, you have, you know, your DNA, which is all of your genes, and then all those genes are what become kind of the proteins, and then the proteins will all work together. And then there's different ages that they'll sort of path, pass through and different chemical reactions, and those proteins will kind of be involved at different steps. And so, you know, you need all a bunch of different proteins to actually do something that seems really simple, um, when in fact it's really, really complicated um, from the pathway point of view, I guess. So something like, uh, or again, hair color is an example, or let's, let's talk plants. Pigment <laughs> color isn't just like one gene, one protein, green. Yeah, so basically that you know, we have obviously genes for eye color and hair color and how tall we are and 
um, you know, basically how we look. Plants are kind of the same way. So they have genes um, that tell you how tall they're going to be, um, how big their leaves are going to be, um, whether they're going to be green or they'll have purple flowers or something like that. Um, and so my research basically looks at how um, all those different genes kind of work together um, to help the plant adapt to a specific environment. Um, so something like a highlight environment or a really cold environment or something like that. Okay. Oh, sorry. That's actually really cool. Um, I was watching a, a documentary a while ago, actually, and, and one of the things that they were talking about in it were plant genetics and and different. So there's actually plant geneticists out there in the world. I think it was cooked, actually. The episode on on bread. <laughs> so it's called Air. Check it out on Netflix, everybody. It is awesome. Are you getting money from Netflix now? <laughs> Not going to say. Um, anyway, so no, it's, it's cooked. and it, uh, I've actually read the book too. Um, so, but, but, so he, he interviews this guy who's a, who's a plant geneticist and he's talking about different kinds of wheat and certain strains of wheat are resistant to drought and certain strains of wheat are better in, in really wet conditions. So this is really cool. So this is, is this applicable to, to what you're doing? Yeah. So basically, ultimately, um, what I would like to do is kind of um, contribute to something like that. So I want to try and make plants more adaptable to specific environments um, using basically their genes. Um, and so I'm using a plant that's pretty adaptable to normally like a temperate environment, but um, it would obviously be pretty helpful if we could grow plants that could be um, adapted to colder environments, meaning we could have a longer growing season or something like that, and we'd have well food security in yeah. northern communities for sure. Yeah, that for sure. So. Or low light in that case low. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it gets quite light. dark there. Um, yeah, so you're saying that um, so like genes. So we talked about this with Emily, the other Emily from your <laughs> lab, uh, that genes. We call it the central dogma, where we have a gene gets transcribed and then translated into amino acids, which is a protein. And you're saying like tons of proteins are used to make like one pathway. So they're all kind of building blocks of a larger circuitry going on. So um, are there many different genes involved? Like is each protein a different gene? Is that how it works? Or? Yeah. So usually, you know, you have a gene that becomes a protein or if they're, you know, it could become a bunch of different proteins. Um, it oh, really cool. just depends on the gene itself. Um, and so I actually study a gene family um, and each of the genes make the same type of protein, but so there's six of them and they make the same type of protein, but each of the six are slightly different from each other. So you can have gene families where it's the same type of gene, but they're all slightly different. Um, do they do the same thing or? Yeah. So okay. the ones we study, they all do the same thing as like their basic um, function. So they all um, perform a specific reaction as an enzyme, but they also, um, we have evidence that they also kind of have different roles um, within the plants as well, specifically to those proteins. So it's kind of interesting, like, why do they need all six of them? That's kind of what we're trying to figure out. Okay, that's cool. So all these genes, these do different proteins, and what specifically do they do? Um, right, so in plants, um, there's something called the phenylpropanoin pathway, um, oh, which is a, <laughs> a big word. <laughs> yeah, so... Basically, it's a pathway. It's really, really complex. I'm not going to go into detail okay, of it, but thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I it's um, it sounds bigger than it is. But basically, 
Um, it's really, really important for plants because it makes um, what are called secondary metabolites. And that's basically just um, anything that doesn't have to do with growth or reproduction, but is really essential for the plant. So something like um, an antibiotic or something that prevents against infection in some way, um, or different pigments as well. So the actual colors of flowers are part of the from the phenylpropanoid pathway as well. So, um, so that it's not directly used in reproduction, but like is necessary to live. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's okay. arguable that it's pretty necessary to live, but they're not necessarily considered part of that basic um, kind of process. Um, and so the basically initiator of that pathway is something called phenylalanine, which is just an amino acid. Um, and so the gene family that we study actually is the, the last step of making phenylalanine, and then it gets passed into that pathway. So without it, this pathway this doesn't pathway work. This pathway basically doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Yeah, I'd say so. So what specifically is the gene family that you're studying then? What's it called? Um, they're called orogenate dehydratases. Or ADTs, so we'll just call them ADTs. Again, And what's kind of interesting about them is that most plants have more than one version of them that all still per- do that same reaction in the plant, but they have more than one version. Um, and the study that they're the plant that I study is Arabidopsis. It's a model organism. Um, there are six different versions of it in Arabidopsis, and we don't really know why it needs six different versions, but we do know that all six versions are actually a little bit different from each other. Um, for instance, ADT2 we think is involved also, aside from catalyzing or producing phenylalanine, um, it's involved in chloroplast division. Um, so, we, what's chloroplast division then? So, it's an organelle or a part of a cell, um, basically, the part of the cell that makes plants green. Oh, it's the part where all the photosynthesis. Happens. Yeah, it's the part where yeah. photosynthesis. Okay, yeah, yeah. Happens. And division, like, do they do they reproduce inside the cell? Yeah, so oh, they weird. they divide like that. bacteria. So they basically just split in half and no. divide cool. into more chloroplasts. Um, right so we think that ADT two could have a role in that. So, so again, like, I guess if a cell is also, you know, when the cells duplicate in mm-hmm. mitosis, they need to take half of what's inside the cell to one baby daughter cell and one to the other. So I guess you need to have more chloroplasts or else you'll run out. So that's how they... Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can see how that would be incredibly essential. So all these all these things that this pathway brings are, are pretty important. And um, you were saying something, I read a little bit about what you're saying about, um, about this uh, family is that they are expressed in times of stress. Is that what it is? Okay. How does that work? Yeah, so basically the the phenylpropanoid pathway itself, um, a lot of it has to do, or a lot of the products of that pathway have to do with stress response. Um, for instance, something like an antibiotic, um, if the plant is under, under you know attack from some sort of bacteria um, or pathogen, um, something like that, then it has to produce more of that antibiotic, which is a product of the phenylpropanoid pathway. And so that's when ADT, ADTs are more highly expressed. So the plant starts producing more of those so that it can get more phenylalanine into the pathway um, to produce more antibiotics. Well, that's, that's so cool. So that's like the, the feedback. That's how it, it communicates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? It's like a feedback kind of process. Oh, that's so cool. Response. <laughs> so we're talking about... Th- I guess the idea of a lot of different um, types of of, this, of the same or similar protein um, and their involvement then in the stress response are, is the different types regulated in different levels 
over different times, I guess, over the lifespan of the plant then, uh, and also then in certain circumstances? Yeah, exactly. So um, we have evidence um, from the past that each, all six ADTs are, are expressed differently. Um, so oh. they're not, there's no circumstance where all six are equally expressed. Um, so, so it's not like random which of the six comes out there. It's it might be yeah. So that's what that's kind of what we're trying to find out. We're trying to find out which of the six or what kind of ones are more important for which particular processes. So maybe, um, for instance, maybe ADT four is more involved in cold stress, or maybe ADT six is more involved in you know heat stress or something kind of other stress. And so um, that's kind of what we're looking at right now is how each of those is more specific to a particular um, situation and how we can use that. Yeah, I, I've always thought this was this was really cool. So I study a, di- a different protein, um, and it has different like types as well, which is neat. Um, and the way I think of it, for anyone trying to wrap their head around things a little bit, is that I think of life of a cell almost like like music in an orchestra. And there's all these different players and parts. And, and then if we're talking about one kind of protein that has six different, um, six different types. We can almost think of that as if you're talking about like a string orchestra, you've got your violins, your cellos, your bass, and your violas. And a certain types of music or certain feels that you're going to want, you're going to want some of them to be louder and some of them to be quieter. And that's going to change depending on what you want the music to sound like. And it's kind of like that now in a cell, depending on the circumstance you need to respond to, you're going to change and and control the amount of a specific protein to get the response that you want. Um, That's how I get my head around it anyway. It's a good analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's exactly like what we're we're looking at here is is exactly that so just just you need different things in combination with each other possibly or just by themselves for different kind of um goals basically so that begs a an important question how are they controlled right so you mentioned before there's that central dogma right so it's um dna becomes rna or becomes it gets transcribed into rna and then that gets translated into proteins and so basically the, the step that I study, um, which is usually the most common step that plants regulate genes at, um, is transcription. So that step between when DNA gets read and kind of made into RNA. So it's like the first step. Yeah, it's the first step. And basically um, a lot of plants use that step because it conserves energy, right? So if you control um, a gene being made at the very beginning. So you're only making the amount that you need rather than if you control it later, you've already made a bunch of stuff and wasted a bunch, bunch of energy. So it's kind of wasteful. Oh, it's efficient, so it's, yeah. Yeah, so it's the best place yeah. to control gene, a gene expression or be, making a protein. Um, and so what I actually study is um, the promoters of each of those six ADT genes. And so basically what a promoter is is kind of a sequence that comes before a gene sequence. Um, in your kind of DNA sequence. Um, and it's basically, it's when it gets opened up, it kind of just gets recognized by a bunch of proteins called transcription factors. And so those are what kind of turn transcription on or off or up or down. It's like a volume control on transcription. Um, so they see different spots on the promoter and they just get stuck to it. And then um, basically you get like this pile up of all these transcription factors onto your promoter sequence. And that's what tells your gene to be made um, and and to what degree or what level 
that you need it. So a promoter is kind of like a promoter that you would think in other situations. They sit around and say, hey, <laughs> like this gene. Like yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, this gene here, come on. And, yeah. and all this, the, the actual workers, people, they come out, yeah. worker bees That's come exactly. in and they actually will do it. It's like, yeah, yeah. do my job well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're looking at like a part of the DNA that calls out to the, the worker bees. Yeah, basically it's yeah, it's advocating for the genes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, this, this is a good time to do this. Yeah. We're not liking the environment right now. Yeah. Something has to happen. <laughs> yeah. So for each of these, you said there are six ADTs? Yeah. They each have their own genes and they each have their own promoters? Yeah, exactly. So okay. there's uh, six genes and six different promoters for each one. Okay. So are, are you noticing any, um, like similarities because you said that the 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 proteins themselves do similar things Mm -hmm. but is there similarities to like the promoters yeah so um basically there aren't long story short okay um all the (laughs) promoters it's good to talk to you today (laughs) (laughs) um all the promoters are really different um which is it kind of makes sense when you think about it because if all the gene sequences themselves are really similar which they are um and they kind of do the same the same type of protein, really. Um, you, we would expect, since they're all being differentially regulated, that their promoters are different because, um, again, promoters control the level of transcription, right? Oh, so, that's what you're saying that, you know, different times have different amounts of the six types. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so um, basically promoters are made of what are called promoter motifs. And so Ooh. they're like little tiny DNA. <laughs> <laughs> they're basically just little tiny DNA sequences that are like five, like, letters long the nu- bases nu- long yeah, nucleic GTs um, yeah. yeah and so those little sites are what the the um, transcription factors recognize and so um, I'm looking at those motifs in particular for each ADT promoter and trying to find what pattern of motifs each of them have um, and so because they're recognized by different transcription factors I can try and figure out which exact transcription factors are the ones that are regulating the ADTs, so it gets to be this big, complicated... So not only do they have different promoters, but they have different worker bees that come. Yeah, exactly, Ah. yeah. So what the promoters are recruiting to over to the gene is all different too, um, naturally, because we need them for different things, right? Mm -hmm. So there's transcription factors for cold cold stress or heat stress or something like that. Um, So if one of the ADTs um, is more geared towards cold stress, then you would expect to see a lot of sites that transcription factors would recognize so this is really cool it's like the mechanism underlying how we respond to things that's that's really cool well because a lot of us you know we go around like i'm cold i shiver like we don't really know how that really happens in between we just yeah and a lot of people i think people think you know it's a gene becomes a protein and proteins are the kind of the functional part of it but you know it's a lot there's a lot more to it than that um like gene regulation is really really huge complicated thing um and we have very little knowledge of it so any kind of research in that area is really important so we're talking about different um different um like sweets and strains and stuff (laughs) that are they were uh bred to be in different ways do you think any of your work can be used to like 
um, actually using like genetically modified areas? Do you think that's a future direction? Yeah, of that? yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal, really, because you know, obviously, at some point, you have to kind of use research for something, right? It has to be have a purpose. <laughs> oh, so. are you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so this is obviously pretty preliminary, but ideally, what would be really interesting is if you could kind of make um, like a synthetic promoter. Um, so you could kind of get down to the the very important motifs that are only for specific conditions so that you could actually put like a fake promoter in there that would regulate your gene a little bit more specifically to, to a different condition. Um, so if you wanted to grow plants in a colder environment, you could maybe um, kind of... M- uh, adjust their promoter a little bit so that it could actually help them respond to um, colder conditions. And then you're not, you know, you're not introducing any new genes because I think a lot of people get scared when they hear there's like a fish gene getting introduced into um, it's, it's corn. So your, your plant's going to get gills. Right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think people find that a little bit unapproachable. Whereas if you're actually just taking something that the plant already has and you're just kind of modifying that, I think that's a little bit more approachable for, you know, people who are a little bit scared of that GMO kind of topic. <laughs> that part actually doesn't get made into anything, right? No. Like that part is just, it's just the shouter. Yeah, so. exactly. It's just kind of like filler yeah. in the genome, right? So it doesn't really seem as bad in hindsight. Yeah. And you're working on Arabidopsis now because that is what you, people know much more about it. And yeah. You know that there are um, what are six... I still going back to this. I find this so crazy. There are six of these ADTs, right? Um, is that? Do you know about any other? It's okay, if, like you don't know this, but any other plants if they have more or less, or is that a weird? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, large amount or um, small amount? As far as we know, there's a few others. Like rice has three, um, petunias have three as well. Um, so it's it's common for them to have more than one, and three seems to be a pretty common number. Six is a little bit higher than normal um but it's a good it's still a small number where we can work with it and kind of control you know have a controlled study whereas if it had like 20 it'd be a lot harder to kind of work through that but it's still more than three so it kind of tells you a little bit more about the diversity of the gene promoters (laughs) so where um where do you want to take this like do do you want to follow through with this and I think it would be nice to follow through with it, but I don't know. Are, where are you on your master's now? Uh, oh. be, I'm So in my second last term, so hopefully finishing um, by the end of the summer. Okay, so you've had a, a lot of chance to, well, not a long chance to work there. The master's is still pretty short. It sounds like you've done a lot in the, the time you've had here. I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in that time, I guess, so, so I've, you're working with plants, how long does it take to grow them? Just to give everyone an idea of how, yeah. like, you know, the frustrating <laughs> barriers to scientific progress. Yeah. Like, how long does it take you to to grow the plants and and get everything and get results from your experiments? Then? Yeah. So, um, a plant life cycle is about twelve weeks um, for Arabidopsis. Um, so it's about three months um, from start to finish. Um, so if you take that into account, you know, a lot of times, sometimes, you know. They don't work out and then you have to grow other ones and then so I started out with all you know regular or wild type Arabidopsis plants and I had to transform them with these promoters so I could kind of visualize them um, you don't know if it works for yeah so oh and then gosh. it doesn't work the first time and then you have to do it again and now you've wasted six months and it's really a long time working with plants but um I guess 
the end results are what really and, makes it through. And then at the same time, though, <laughs> the results that you're coming up with, if you find out ways that we could modify these plants in a way that could make them more resistant to particular kinds of weather or insects and parasites and things, then using the knowledge that you're getting, we could save a ton of time in generating other ty- other types of crop that'll be useful for the whole world um, instead of having to, you know, in the off chance that a couple of plants in a crop and then you, you cross those. And that's how genetics historically has been. So that's amazing, I think. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it really sounds cool. I, I did want I did want to ask. I'm sure you get this a lot, but the, did you intentionally wanted to go in plants? Um, well, I always. I mean, I liked mo- the molecular aspect of it, and then I just found that the plant lab was going to be the best fit for me. So, the project and everything itself it yeah. worked out really well. That's cool because I'm I'm like more of a I don't know much about this thing so I always attracted to like the full organism so I always wonder like uh if it's like the plant part or the food security or it's the like the question the 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 bigger picture is more is more what I do it for (laughs) very good that's so cool well I think we'll do we're about done there so I am going to uh I'm going to sign off and say thank you so much Emily for coming in it was great having you and I love hearing about this and like even though we work down the hall from each other. I still, I'm still amazed at how little I know about a lot of this stuff. And yeah, thank you so much for, for telling us about your work. Thank and you for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> oh, oh, we'd like to hear that. <laughs> well, I'll just say that uh, this has been Gradcast, and I'll, I'll I'll mess up the uh, outro just as I do with the intro. And we are part. <laughs> we are the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western and. <laughs> or you can catch us um you can catch us every tuesday at 6 p.m at chrw or you can grab our podcast uh off you know your podcast provider also if you're interested in telling us about your research we're as you heard it's a good time please come on and tell us about your research we would love to hear from you uh you can email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com and you can also get uh most of our episodes on uh like the Pod website at gradcastradio.ca. I'm just going to say that's what the you can Google it. You'll find and it. And .com. We got both. Oh yeah, we got both. Yeah, that's that's pretty killer. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Emily, and thanks all for listening. Bye, bye for me and Alex. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.